Well, good morning once again, Bell Shoals family. My name is Corey Abney and I serve as the lead pastor and uh, so glad to have you back with us in our pre-COVID schedule today. Certainly those of you in the room here with us at the Brandon campus and those of you who are still watching us online, it's a very, very exciting day. So much so that we've already had to take down the pipe and drape. And so uh, I... <laughs> For those of you who've come in, you've been waiting for a seat, I I owe you an apology because our connections team said, Pastor, we've heard that, uh, you know, the comeback here is uh, gonna be uh, so significant that we're gonna have to take that down. I'm like, all right, well, if we gotta take it down, we'll take it down. They said, but don't you think it'd be better off like if we took it down before Sunday? (laughs) And I'm like, no, why would we do something so stupid like that? Like, no, let's just do it in the middle of service and make people wait for a seat. I think that would be the great thing to do. So I totally apologize if you had to wait for a moment to grab a seat today, but thank you for being with us. And uh, thank you for loving your neighbor. Those of you um, who are able to wear a mask, I know some are not for different reasons, but for those of you who are able to, and you have been today uh, going to and from your life group and into worship, we're just, we're just so excited to be back into the service schedule that we had pre-COVID and um, just to see the energy on our campus this morning and to see what God is building here at Bell Shoals. Uh, it really is special. And we believe here that we are a part of a movement that is now 2,000 years old and is still changing the world with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we're excited to be a part of that movement today. And you know, every great movement starts with a mandate. Every great movement starts with a mandate or a mission. I'm a huge fan of our space program. I've done a lot of reading over the years on the space race and what it took to go from, uh, you know, Mercury and Gemini and Apollo and to, to send men to the moon and back safely. And I've done a lot of reading over the years. And one of the things that has struck me about the history of our space program is that so much of it was built on the foundation of a mandate that came from President John F. Kennedy. As you read various biographies, as you, as you read different uh, historical books just on the, the space program in general, you cannot help but to be reminded of President Kennedy's speech on September the 12th, 1962 at Rice University in Houston, where he urged the United States to get to the moon before the close of that decade. Some of you remember that. As you read, the stories of astronauts and scientists and engineers, the one mandate that surfaces in all of their accounts is President Kennedy's speech, where he said these famous words. He said, but this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. William Bradford, speaking in 1630 of the founding of the Plymouth Bay Colony, said that all great and honorable actions are accompanied with great difficulties and both must be enterprised and overcome with answerable courage. And then he said these words, we choose to go to the moon 
We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Actually, what he said is, because they are hard. I don't know if, uh, <laughs> if you've ever heard President Kennedy. He says, we, we choose to do these things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win. <laughs> it was a great speech. It gave a mandate and a mission, if you will, to our entire space program, one that grounded their efforts and their energies. You know, when you look at the ministry of the church, it's really no different. We have a mission and a mandate that has set the foundation for why we do what we do. It organizes our energies and our efforts. It gives clarity to our lives and the mission and the mandate that was given to us was given by the Lord Jesus himself between the time from his bodily resurrection and his ascension to heaven. You see, Jesus gave a mission that led to a movement. He gave a mission. He gave a mandate that has led to a movement. And we find it in the book of Acts in the very first chapter. You'll be reminded of this, many of you. Remember what Jesus said? He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus gave a mandate, a mission that has led to a movement. He said, you will be my witnesses. Here at home, as you travel across the region and even to the outer parts of the earth, we have a mission, we have a mandate that we will be the witnesses of Jesus Christ wherever we go. And what we have seen for 2000 years now is that we are a part of a movement that is carrying out this mission. See, without question, our mission and our mandate starts with local engagement and it moves to global advancement. We make it our aim here at Bell Shoals to be a blessing to our immediate local community, but we have an eye toward the entire world. We start with local engagement, but we move to global advancement and this mission has led to a great movement. This movement started what we know as Pentecost when the apostle Peter began preaching in Jerusalem in fulfillment of this mandate. And as he began preaching, we find that the power of the Holy Spirit falls on him and all who were gathered there. And so there was a shift historically that is incredibly profound. The power of the Holy Spirit went from an on-dwelling presence to an indwelling presence. You see, prior to Pentecost and what we find in Acts 2, immediately following these words of Jesus, this mandate of Jesus, we find that the Holy Spirit's presence begins to indwell every single follower of Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Spirit's work was on dwelling. 
The Spirit would work through various people and in and, and various situations and contexts, and, and the Spirit's power there and his work there was unique in that respect. But what we find at Pentecost is that the Spirit's role now goes from just being on-dwelling and moving through particular people in particular circumstances to indwelling. Now the Holy Spirit fills every single follower of Jesus. He is with us every single day of our lives, and he is working and moving to accomplish his purposes all of the time. Now, this is a significant, significant historical event. Peter begins to preach. The Spirit falls. He's now filling every single believer. And as a result, revival is breaking out all across Jerusalem. Let me remind you what happened there in Acts 2, beginning in verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter is preaching about the power of Jesus, about the resurrection of Jesus, about how Jesus has triumphed over death and hell and how he gives eternal life to all who believe. And here are all of these people, thousands of them as we will see in Jerusalem, and they're pierced to the heart. They're, 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 they're convicted of their sin. They come to understand, no, there is a God of the world and a God who judges in righteousness and equity and a God who's made a way of salvation available. And they're asking the question, what do we do with this. And notice what Peter says. He says, well, each of you must repent or turn from your sins and turn toward God and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this indwelling spirit, the presence of God. This promises to you, your children, and those even who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord, our God. Peter says, this message is for everyone. This, this gospel of hope, this mission, it's, it's for everyone. And repentance and faith and the filling of the Holy Spirit and subsequently baptism into a fellowship of believers, these are all marks of new life. They're all marks of this mission and this mandate. And what happens next is, is, is a community forms. A new community in the history of the world. Think about this, 2000 years ago, a new community, a new movement, that, that the world has never seen before. It forms and it's described for us there at the end of Acts 2. Check this out. It says, now all of the believers there who are, who are changed by the power of Jesus, committing their lives now to the, to the work of Jesus. Check this out. All these believers are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And, and all the believers met together in one place and, and they shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And then check this out, I love it. And each and every day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, this new community is formed and, and, and God begins to work in a powerful way. You know what we would have called this when I was growing up? We would have called this revival. <laughs> I'm not talking about a Sunday through Saturday revival. Some of you remember week-long revivals. 
And then we figured, you know, I don't know, probably need to hit the golden crowd on Friday night. So I remember preaching Sunday through Thursday revivals. And then we thought, why go once to golden crowd when you can go twice? So we went to Sunday to Wednesday night revivals. Some of you might remember those. A lot of times you'd have a, an annual revival and it would culminate at homecoming, which is just another excuse for Baptist people to eat. And so we would, we would have a week long revival and culminate with a big feast because that's just what you do. You eat, and, and you remember the revival, and, and, and I remember preaching revivals and sitting in revivals and attending revivals, and it was a great opportunity for people to come to know Jesus who maybe would never otherwise come to church and never otherwise consider faith and, and eternity. And, and God's blessed those kinds of revivals over the years. And we've seen bigger revivals like the Great Awakening. We've seen these seasons in history. Listen, nothing though will ever match what's happening here in Acts 2. These are first generation believers. These are, these are men and women who, who grew up, many of them in a religious kind of system and they were looking for the Messiah and, and now Peter steps in and the other apostles are like, hey, listen, we know who the Messiah is. His name is Jesus. He lived among us not that long ago. If you remember, he was put up on a Roman cross and he rose from the dead bodily. He appeared to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. There are literally thousands upon thousands of witnesses to his power and his uniqueness. And this Jesus has now given us a mandate to go and be his witnesses. And through that mission and that mandate, we see God launching a great movement because day after day after day, there are men and women coming to faith in Jesus. Look, they're, 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 they're contemplating the reality of their sin, their desperate need for God. And God is saving people left and right. Every single day, this movement is formulating. It's building momentum. Man, this is special. And notice this, this, this movement has formulated a, a new community where, where, where these people now are gathering what you and I know as the church. Not a building, not a location, a people, a redeemed people. Look at the characteristics of this new community. Phenomenal. First of all, biblical teaching. It says that they're gathering there uh, around the apostles' teaching. You know, there, there's something that we believe here that's always been true, that God's word always does his work. There is power in the word of God. And notice this new community is built upon the foundation of the word of God. The movement of which we are a part today, this movement now 2,000 years later is still built on the same foundation of the word of God. And our strategies will change, various emphases will change, how we minister to our community will change. The one thing that never changes is the authority and the blessing and the life-giving power of the word of God. It is our foundation. This community is built on biblical teaching. Secondly, notice Christian fellowship. These believers were together. Notice that they're eating together, they're praying together, they're sharing life together. And this fellowship is characteristic of this community. Jesus' prayer in John 17 is foundational here. We serve a God that is united in fellowship, three and one and one and three, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we find that when God's people are gathered, when they're worshiping and serving, sharing their lives together, it's a visible representation to the power of God and the person of God. Notice there's biblical teaching. There's also fellowship, Christian fellowship. Third, there's fervent prayer. Notice they're devoting themselves not only to, to each other and to their apostles' teaching, but also to fellowship. Again, we're really good. We're really good at this. 
those of us who've been coming to church for a while, because we even have such fancy things as fellowship halls. <laughs> Oftentimes they were built right below the worship services. You ever notice that in some old churches I grew up in and I had the privilege to pastor, the fellowship hall was right below the worship service. That way you knew exactly where to go when service was over and you need to get yourself something to eat. Remember, food, that's a theme here, people, food. Fellowship, it's more than a hall though. You know this to be true. Fellowship and prayer are part and parcel of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. You see, we, we have a foundation of teaching and a fellowship and then notice this, prayer. Prayer is the instrument that God has entrusted to us as a means of accomplishing his will in this world. Through the indwelling Holy Spirit, we have access to God 24 seven. And prayer is an instrument that God has given to us to know him, to grow in him, to intercede on behalf of others. And notice this, this early community is a praying community. It's an acknowledgement of our inability and God's ability. It's an affirmation of our weakness and God's strength. Prayer is a foundational part of this community. Fourth, notice there's radical generosity. Notice these believers, and many translations say they, they held all things together. That doesn't mean that they were selfish. It doesn't mean that they all had the same opinions on everything. No, no, no. What that means is that they were willing to, to show generosity to those in need. Notice that this is prompted out of, of the generosity of God poured out to us through Jesus. All these believers met together and they shared everything they had, selling property and possessions and then distributing the money to those who had need. Listen, the people of God have always been a generous people. And this early community quickly engaged in radical, sacrificial giving to meet the needs of the community and support the work of, of the body of Christ. We see even the apostle Paul, as he begins to travel and plant churches, he would write back to, to uh, churches that would, had already been formed and kind of off and running. And he would ask at times for them to give generously to help support new work in new parts of the world. You see the, the church, the ministry of the church has always been built not only on teaching and fellowship and prayer, but it's also been built on radical generosity, mimicking the generosity of our God. Fifth, notice there's multi-site ministry. Now, not in the same way we see multi-site ministry today, but notice that not only is the community meeting there at the temple courts, but as the community grows, they're also meeting in houses. They're sharing the Lord's Supper together in homes. They're meeting in smaller groups. All over Jerusalem, the church is actively meeting. They're sharing in the word. They're praying together for each other. And, and they are doing everything they can to turn their community upside down for Jesus. This was happening all over Jerusalem. The temple courts were the only place where large numbers of people could gather. And as the church begins to grow and flourish and it moves from the singular thousands to the tens of thousands, you find elders being appointed at various places as churches are birthed all around the surrounding regions, you see. The beauty of this approach is that although you have local leaders in, in specific local locations, because the church is always local in a sense, you also see that this movement is expanding and it's all connected by the same DNA. And that's a DNA that we're replicating here at Bell Shoals at our five campuses and seeing God work in a powerful way. Next, notice that this ministry leads to joyful praise. It says here that, that these people are praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Man, that's one of the benefits, by the way, of being in a life group. If you're not yet connected with the life group, hey, we've got people on our connections team. As soon as they're done taking out all this pipe and drape, they'd love to connect with you about getting connected to a life group. <laughs> 
Man, let me tell you something. When you, when you get connected to a group, a smaller group, it can literally be life-changing for you and your family. Notice these believers are, are, are in these groups. They're meeting together in this multi-site faceted kind of ministry and, and they're sharing their, 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 their goods with each other and those who are in need and they're, they're praying together and they're in the word and they're sharing the Lord's Supper. But notice here that they're praising God every single day and they're enjoying the goodwill of one another. Man, what a description. Do you realize that praise is our highest privilege? Every single one of us in this room are made to worship. Every single one of you watching online, you're made to worship. And when you find the, the goodness of God and you, you, you come to receive his salvation and you trust him with your life and you experience just the, the, the beauty and the power of his forgiveness and grace, listen, it results in continual praise and that praise is our highest privilege. And then finally, we have a description here of continual growth. We see the church is, again, not an organization, it's an organism, it's living, it's active, it's, it's an extension of the power of God. And notice this, this organism is growing, it's thriving every single day, the Lording's adding to their fellowship. That word fellowship there is indicative of a community. He's adding those who are being saved. You know what I'm mindful of here? In this early culture in Jerusalem, with all the opposition, all the religious leaders, all of those, frankly, that nailed Jesus to a cross, still opposing this movement. Remember what Jesus promised to them and to us? He said, I will build my church in such a way that the gates of hell will never prevail against it. And through all the opposition, through all the difficulties, what's happening in Jerusalem? Shortly after Jesus goes to heaven and, and, and just after he gave a mission and a mandate, now there is a movement and every single day this movement is proving to be unstoppable. For 2,000 years, this movement has proved to be unstoppable. You and I are here today as a part of this unstoppable movement we know as the church that Jesus said he's gonna build on the foundation of the fact that we're gonna be his witnesses and the power of hell will never, ever, ever prevail against it. Here we are 2,000 years later in West Central Florida, still a part of this very movement. And day after day and year after year, we see God adding to our number those who are being saved. You know what one marker of biblical ministry is for us here at Bell Shoals? Listen, the early church in Jerusalem, I guarantee it, I guarantee it, their first Sunday back after the pandemic that struck Jerusalem, I just made that up. You know what they were, the apostles were doing? They were moving the curtains back, people. That's what they were doing. They were seeing growth. They, day after day after day, God's adding to the number those who are being saved. It's a movement that is unstoppable. And we, right here at Bell Shoals, listen to me very, very carefully. We are a part of a mission and a movement that's changing the world. Like I said, it started here 2,000 years ago and it spread to every single part of the world. It's changed countless lives. And like the power revealed in a crashing wave the power of the gospel is revealed through a redeemed people known as the church, you and me. And since 1961, right here, through the ministry of Bell Shoals. You know, it's interesting that our name references a shoal, which I have to confess, I, I wasn't exactly sure what it was when I moved here. Blame it on my education <laughs> or my stupidity. <laughs> it wasn't that funny, but I mean, that's okay. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the sharpest tool in the shed, but all right, I, I looked it up. You know what a shoal is? It's a shallow body of water 
in the ocean that pushes unseen energy upward so that that energy becomes visible through the power of a wave. And like a shoal in the water, that results in a visible representation of energy and movement. Listen to me. The church is the visible representation of the power of God in the world today. We are the visible manifestation of the power of God and this movement known as the church. In fact, like the power of a way that is awe-inspiring and unstoppable, Jesus promised that his church will advance in a way that our work will be unending. It will, no, no power of hell and no scheme of man will ever stop it. And so I'm incredibly excited today to reveal a new branding emphasis for this next season of ministry and gospel engagement for Bell Shoals. You will see here in just a moment, a new logo and a new brand mark that encapsulates our vision to continue the mission and the movement that birthed us in 1961. A mission and a movement that's led us to birth other churches. A mission and a movement that's led us to launch multiple campuses. A mission and a movement that's led us to launch and support international missionaries, to assist church planners, and to impact our community for the sake of the gospel. This new brand emphasis will be seen in a logo and a new website that will launch later today and new design features that will remind us of our mission, but make no mistake about it, we will continue to proclaim the same gospel, the same Lord, the same faith, because a new emphasis for a new season of ministry together is still built on the foundation of the old rugged cross. Because in all of the complexity of ministry in the 21st century, there is simplicity in our message that Jesus Christ came to save people. This has been the message of the church for 2000 years, the message of this movement for 2000 years, and it continues today. It's a mission and a movement that is literally changing the world. It's real. It is life changing for you and me. And it is 100% for every single one of us in the room today. And so I invite you to join this movement. A wave is energy, an invisible force born far from the shore. And this energy, though invisible, is real and unstoppable. And as that energy approaches the shore, its potential is revealed and its power is expressed through a crashing wave. But a wave just isn't a display of water itself, but of the power that runs through it. And the church, just like water, is the vessel of God's power. And God's people, like water, are designed to be the expression of his plan and the expression of his love. A plan that began before us and will persist after us. A plan that builds and flows and presses on. A plan that knows no barriers, no restrictions, knows no bounds. A plan of endless love that builds and builds and builds. And like a building wave, God is building his church and bursting forth out of the surface of the deep, the mighty creator of all things chose to reveal his plan to us and include us in it. We can let the wave roll by or we can join the movement. We have been invited 
and accepted by the creator of the wave. But to catch the wave, we must take action. We must turn and paddle with it. So let us join in. Let us accept the invitation. The power of the crashing wave is real and it runs through us. We are the church. We are made to ride the wave. We are a grateful people, grateful to be a part of this mission and this movement that is changing the world. And as we move into this next season of life and ministry at Bell Shoals, we we are introducing several new aspects of our vision. As I said, later today, our website will go live. You will find it to be much more user-friendly, much more modern in its approach, and much more engaging for those who don't know the Lord and have never connected with Bell Shoals in the past. As a part of that, you will see a new logo or a new brand mark. Now, this logo and this brand mark for this next season of life and ministry at Bell Shoals is not ultimately about creativity. <laughs> There weren't a bunch of us that got in a room and said, how creative can we be? Let me, let me be crystal clear here. Our logo or our brand mark is ultimately about vision. How can we express in a single mark this next season of life and ministry at Bell Shoals? How can we communicate to the world, to those who have yet to connect with Jesus or us, how can we communicate our vision, our passion of what we are about and what we're trying to accomplish in the world? You see, a brand marker or a logo ultimately should encapsulate focus and vision, and that's precisely how we arrived at our next logo and brand mark. We began thinking through what a shoal is. In fact, we began thinking through what's a bell shoal, and, and, and I realized it's a road. <laughs> Nobody's ever accused Baptists of being creative people. We name things after streets and creeks, okay? That's how we've done things historically. And so we got to asking, okay, how did we arrive at our name? Well, the street, okay. Then I had to ask, what's a bell? That one I knew. Okay, a shoal, okay. And then we began to think through the implications of a shoal and we got to this description of this body of water, this, this shallow body of water in the ocean that pushes energy upward. And we begin to research what, what that does. And, and, and in all of our research, we begin to, we begin to study. We've, we've had some staff members actually speak with surf instructors. And we, we've talked to a lot of people. And what we discovered is that, you know what a wave is? A wave is actually not ultimately water. It's ultimately energy. And it's energy that starts tens of miles off the coast and it moves inward toward, toward the shoreline. And it's only when that energy meets a shoal and it's pushed upward that you see the expression of that energy and that power in a crashing wave. And that is exactly what we have been examining today in Acts chapter two, because what do we find in terms of the ministry of the church? We find the church as the visible manifestation of the power of God in the world today. That's what we are. The power of God is expressed and made visible in the world through the ministry of the church. 
It's no longer primarily through the ministry of apostles or prophets as it was in the Old Testament. The, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is no longer on-dwelling. No, now he's indwelling. What did Jesus say? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is the visible manifestation of the power of God in the world today. You are the visible manifestation of the power of God in the world today. And as God works through you, just like a shoal, his power, his grace, his kindness, his mercy become visible to an unbelieving world around you. You see, this mission and this movement that's changing the world is encapsulated in our new brand mark, our new logo. It grounds what we believe. It, it, it focuses us on what Jesus has done for us and it gives clarity to our mission that even today, yes, today and in the days to come, we are still a part of this movement that is life-changing. Our focus is related to our mission, to be witnesses for King Jesus right here in West Central Florida, across the entire state, around the country, and even around the world. And so in the next several years, my vision is for Bell Shoals to continue to rise as a leader in at least four strategic areas. First of all, community engagement. I'm so grateful for how the Lord has given us favor, even coming through the last seven months through emphasis like feed the front line and what we've done for our police officers and what we're doing in our school system and what we're doing through the Real Hope House. We are seeing lives change right here at home. I believe in the days to come that we will have an expanded reach right here in West Central Florida because gospel ministry always starts at home. And so we will continue to be aggressive in maintaining local ministry and even launching new initiatives that help Bell Shoals to rise as a leader right here at home and introduce men and women and boys and girls to the saving love of Jesus. Secondly, through multi-site ministry. I believe in multi-site ministry. I believe in a spirit of togetherness. I believe in shared resources and shared leadership and shared vision. And God is blessing our multi-site ministry right now. And I believe in the days to come, he will continue to bless it because God is using Bell Shoals to reach people all throughout West Central Florida. And it's a strategic initiative for us. Third, church planting. Listen, my vision in the next three years is to see Bell Shoals rise as a leader in the supporting of new church work. Because here's the reality, new work brings new life. And the highest percentages of lost people coming to salvation in Jesus are happening through new work, not existing work. Now we're blessed to see people come to faith in Jesus about every week. But we also understand that this movement has always birthed new work and that's the kind of work that we're gonna be involved with. And then finally, international missions. What I call partnerships with a purpose. You know, we have some amazing missionaries that we support through our faith family. Over the last few months, I've had the opportunity to meet with several of them who are now back on the field. And we have some absolutely incredible men and women and families who are serving Jesus overseas. Bell Shoals has always been a church about missions, but in the next several years, I want us to continue to clarify why we do what we do overseas, where we do it, and specifically what we're looking to accomplish in every single region through every single family that we support. I believe with all of my heart that our best days are ahead of us as we rally together around this mission that has spilled over into a movement that is still changing lives today. 
And so later this afternoon or this evening, depending upon your browser and, uh, and, and the migration process, you'll be able to log on to bellshoals.com and come across our new website. I hope you'll check it out. What you'll find there in our belief section is that nothing has changed at all in what we believe and who we are as a church. Nothing is changing with our affiliations and our partnerships, but you also find an introduction to our community that represents a shift in our audience. We are doing everything we can through our branding and through our website to connect with people who are currently far from God, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray will soon be very near to God. That's why we do what we do. It's not rocket science. You don't have to work for NASA to understand this. Jesus made it simple, didn't he? He said, here's your mission. You will be my witnesses. Say, where, Jesus? Right here at home. Across the surrounding region. Across the country and around the world. You will be my witnesses. And if I could paraphrase President Kennedy, I would, I would say this as we wrap up our time together today. Listen, we choose to take on this mission. We choose to take on the mission of Jesus, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. And because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and our skills. Because this challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one that we are unwilling to postpone, and one that by God's grace, we intend to win. Because as Jesus taught us, we're in this to win souls, to win people, to see lives changed, to see families changed. That's what this movement is all about. So can I invite you today to join the movement?